Welcome to the Atlanta Sports Podcast, a recap of the week in Atlanta sports, created by Atlanta sports fans for Atlanta sports fans. Welcome to episode 12 of the Atlanta Sports Podcast. Uh, We are, as Dan Quinn would say, jacked about tonight's episode. Uh, I imagine Garrett will have some uh, some new f- new sound effects. Uh, Jeremy's going to find a way probably to talk about contracts or the salary cap. And I'll drop more hard-hitting sports analysis. So <laughs> on this episode, uh, we're going to have a chance to talk with, uh, with Pat Benson, who covers the Atlanta Hawks for Forbes and SportsTalkATL.com. Uh, we'll also uh, cover the AJC's article on the MLB agreement with the Players Union and how that impacts the Braves, and then uh, debate who we want the Falcons to take with their uh, first-round pick. But before we do that, let's uh, get started with a game of horse. So we know with this social distancing deal that it's going to go through the end of April at least, and uh, so we're probably not going to see any NBA anytime soon because you, you can't really social distance and play basketball at the same time. Uh, However, we could play a game of horse between two NBA players. So what two current NBA players, Jeremy, again, this is NBA players, would you want to watch play a game of horse? Horse Grant and Scottie Pippen. (laughs) It was current NBA players. Um, So I'll give you a minute to think on that unless you want to, unless you're ready. Yeah, I'll let Garrett go first. I'll go second. So I went a little unconventional with mine, just because I knew y'all would pick some some pure shooters. So I was thinking something along the lines of like Dwight Howard, Ben Simmons three point contest. I you think know? Dwight Howard would win that. Probably. So I might have to go with something else, somebody else to go along with Ben Simmons, or as the resident golfer in the uh, group, a couple PGA professionals. Uh, went out and played left-handed for a round for fun. So I was thinking maybe something like that, you know, left-handed only in a free throw contest or something different. Make the guys work for it. Make it exciting. I like it. Would you watch that, right? So my whole thing is like no sports on TV. NASCAR doesn't count. No sports on TV is killing me, right? So would you watch two NBA players play horse? Would you turn that on on ESPN? I mean, right now they got hamster racing on ESPN, I believe. So yeah, (laughs) I I think... Most people would probably watch that. Yeah, I'd I'd watch anything with the ball at this point. I don't care what they're doing with it. All right, that's a dangerous statement. Careful, sir. But, <laughs> <laughs> that is dangerous. But uh, but I'm with you. I I think that would be uh, that would be awesome. I'm going to claim this as an original idea because I haven't seen it anywhere else. So if ESPN does this, I, I'm going to need them to pay me some money. But but Jeremy, who are your uh, your two current NBA players that you want to see play horse? I think I probably won't. Uh, James Harden, Trey Young, just because you know they're just so pro- such prolific scorers, so I think it'd be fun to watch, and they got such huge ranges. I'm with you there. I think I'm on the same sort of the same place, uh, except I think I'd go uh, Trey Young and Steph Curry would probably be the two I'd like to see, uh, just because, like I said, the the range and creativity that those guys have. I mean, Steph Curry's warm up alone is basically a game of horse that's unbelievable. So I uh, I think that'd be pretty awesome to see those two. Those two go at it for sure, but I like I like Garrett's idea of uh, Dwight Howard and uh, who was your other one, Garrett? The can't Ben Simmons. There we ben go. Ben Simmons. Yeah, yeah. Ben Simmons and Dwight Howard go at it because that would be that would be absolutely hilarious. So good call there. How about all right? Let's throw 
throw a little curveball. How about if we went uh, retired or or no longer with us NBA players? Is there any that uh, that you want, or even maybe pair retired slash no longer with us with a a current one? Would you would you change anything? Larry Bird, Charles Barkley. Yeah, <laughs> Charles Charles Barkley would have to be included in that. Yeah, really, Charles Barkley and anybody. I don't care. Just to hear his commentary. Oh yeah, that would be. Uh, I would. I'm with you. There, that'd be awesome. I mean, that's really the set. The TNT set should just air themselves doing any doing whatever. Now we're Play, now we're getting somewhere. Now playing against each TNT. other. Yeah, have a game of horse. Shaq versus Charles and horse. That would be fantastic. I'm in. I'm in. I don't think we can top that. So let's uh, let's transition a little bit uh, to uh, an interview that we had with uh, with Pat Benson from the Atlanta Hawks and get his take on uh, on the Hawks' future moving forward and how this uh, coronavirus outbreak is impacting the future of the Hawks. All right, joining the podcast this week is Pat Benson, who covers the Atlanta Hawks for Forbes and sportstalkatl.com. Uh, you can find Pat on Twitter uh, at Pat underscore Benson underscore junior. And, uh, and Pat, thank you for joining us. I know uh, we're all huge Hawks fans and super excited to sit down and talk to you. But uh, before we get into the Hawks talk, I'm going to throw you a curveball and see, right. see what you think. So earlier we're, we talked about these social distancing guidelines and mm-hmm. you know, the fact that we're not going to see basketball anytime soon, unfortunately. But we probably could get away with two NBA players playing horse. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed. If you had to pick two NBA players that are currently playing the game that you would want to see play a game of horse, who would it be? All right. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, Long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, (laughs) Your question, Trey Young, right off the bat, that's, that's an easy one. And second, I believe Steph Curry was healthy when the season ended. I believe he had come back from the broken hands. I'm going to have to go Trey and Steph, and then I'll take my chances against everyone else. Nice. You actually stole mine, so that's uh, that. we're on the same page there. The only other sub I might plug in is maybe Trey and Luca because there's been so much, you know, Trey and Luca talk. But I think I think that's a pretty strong choice going Steph and Trey. That would be uh, that would be fantastic. So. Uh, Garrett, if you want to get us going with, uh, I know some of the the Hawks talks that you uh, are interested to see Pat's take on. Yeah, absolutely, and I'll say, yeah, the first thing I thought about once on the horse was was Trey and Steph as well. So I agree with that call. Um, so the Hawks team, they're such a young team. So uh, with this shortened season due to the coronavirus, how do you think that's going to impact them going forward into next year? And are these guys kind of still getting together to practice and to work out together? Or how do you just see this impact on such a young team that the Hawks have? That's a great question. And I honestly have no idea because this is such an unprecedented thing. You know, even during a lockout season, you know, we're all old enough to remember a couple lockouts. And even during lockout seasons, we would see these guys obviously be able to get together and run court, work out. Right now, nobody's leaving their house or their high-rise apartment or anything. So I have no idea. The only thing I do know is it will affect everybody across the league. You know, uh, veterans, rookies, um, it's not going to discriminate. So I was thinking about how that's going to affect them this offseason, if it's going to stunt anybody's growth or how it's going to uh, impact these players. Well, honestly, I have no idea. This is such uncharted territory for everybody. So it'll be, that's, uh, that's something that'll be really interesting to find out. 
Um, and then kind of along those same lines, throughout this season, uh, with some of the poor play, a little mm-hmm. more unexpected poor play, mm-hmm. um, you heard a lot about uh, Lloyd Pierce maybe being on the hot seat or maybe mm-hmm. some tension between him and Trey Young. Mm-hmm. How do you think, again, with this shortened season and just this kind of unprecedented time that we're in, how do you see that affecting Lloyd Pierce's maybe a decision on Lloyd Pierce at all um, to keep him or to bring him back? Do you see it affecting that? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I don't think Lloyd Pierce is going anywhere this off season. I think uh, he will definitely be back for his third year. He's on already on a short contract. Most NBA coaches are signed to five year deal, five year deal. So he's already given a pretty short uh, deal to begin with. Uh, however, he's not going to have uh, a whole lot of, uh, you know, power over some of these young players next year, for lack of a better word, you know, the John Collins extension's coming. And then the following summer, the Trey Young extension will be coming. And I think more or less he'll be working for those two guys. So uh, I don't think we'll see any movement from Coach Pierce this summer. I'd be shocked if they decide to make a coaching change uh, during this offseason. However, uh, obviously next year is obviously going to be it for him. If he can't progress and you know, make it to the playoffs, I think they will probably consider making a coaching change. Um, if the season ended today, then, you know, they regressed nine games from 29 wins to 20 wins. And uh, that's that's not great. So um, he's definitely coaching for uh, his job in Atlanta this upcoming season. Yeah, yeah. that's definitely a big step backwards uh, for him this past year. But go ahead, Jeremy. And – Kind of as we think about next year, is is there a player you really see the Hawks targeting to become the third piece to push the team over the top in the East or even make them a contender, I guess? Yeah, so I really like uh, Joe Harris from Brooklyn. I like Davis Bertans from uh, Washington. And really there's a a whole nice uh, little uh, mix of contributors and role players. Um, not, it's not going to be a really flashy uh, free agency like last summer. However, we still might be able to find a uh, team that's looking to get off of a big contract. So uh, that's where our cap space will come in, and it'll be really helpful. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a free agent. It, you know, we can make a nice trade this summer and bring in a uh, disgruntled uh, veteran. Uh, before Minnesota made the trade for D'Angelo Russell, I secretly had always thought that Carl Anthony Towns might be on his way to Atlanta just because he was so fed up in Minnesota. But I think they certainly bought them some time with D'Angelo Russell now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I like Davis Bertans. I like Joe Harris. There's uh, some really good role players that will be free agents this summer. And, of course, you can always make moves through um, through trades. So, really, uh, the sky's the limit for Atlanta this offseason. It's a really exciting time, and they've got the cap space and the assets to really do just about almost anything they want. I think I would include Jeremy or Garrett in a trade if it meant that Carl uh, Anthony Towns was coming. So, yeah, I know that's what I was always hoping for before they they made that trade for D'Lo. Capel is also going to be like a free agent addition because, I mean, we probably won't see him at all this year if there's You're any right. type of NBA season at the end. So. You're right. We, we and I think that that's a good way of looking at it. They uh, the Hawks did some free agent shopping earlier, you know, uh, than expected when they made the biggest trade in 20 years. You know, they made a just about a complete roster overhaul, one trade at a time, and then um, of course they're a part of that made that mega trade where they brought in Clint Capella, and it really didn't cost them much. An expiring contract, I believe it was Evan Turner, a second round draft pick. 
and, uh, and then maybe they brought on uh, another contract. But other than that, I mean, they did a little bit of free agency free agency shopping early, and I thought they really did well when they uh, when they moved through trades. Yeah, it was definitely a big move for the Hawks. I was I was excited to see them sort of pull the trigger and and bring in sort of a big name to to bolster the lineup and I think help defensively because everybody sort of bashes Trey Young's defense, but at times he doesn't have much help behind him. Like he's he's not the best defender, but if we had better rotations behind him, I think that it was help help hide some of that. And I hope I think and hope Capella might be able to do that for the Hawks. Yeah, and that's such an unfair uh, nitpick people throw at Trey Young about his defense. One, he's incredibly slight and small. Nobody got on to Allen Iverson about his defense. Uh, two, it's the least important defensive position on the court. And three, like you said, um, he doesn't have a whole lot of help behind him. I think having Capella anchor the defense will give him a lot more uh, help. And not to mention uh, next year uh, we've got Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter will be back and they'll have uh, a lot more experience. So, um, yeah, I think uh, Trey Young – the hatred Trey Young catches on his defense, I think, is way overblown and way out of proportion. Yeah, we we definitely couldn't agree with you more. We're uh, we are huge Trey Young fans, to say the least. But uh, so speaking of Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter, uh, they both were sort of up and down throughout the year. Uh, Cam, I was tough on Cam earlier in the year, but I tell you what, oh, leading yeah. up to this uh, this lockdown uh, that we've had uh, with the NBA, I mean, he Cam turned it on. He was he was playing fantastic, but. Hunter sort of continues to sort of struggle on that offensive end. Is there is there anything you see in his game that maybe gives Hawks fans hope moving forward with DeAndre Hunter? Is he going to be able to turn it around on the offensive end? Well, yeah. First of all, I was with you. At first, um, Cam Reddish had such a rocky start to the beginning of the uh, season that uh, I was really questioning everything. But uh, he turned things around and he proved the doubters like myself wrong. It just seemed like Cam and DeAndre would trade off in games and they couldn't ever quite find the same rhythm. And very rarely they would both be hot on the same night. So um, that was kind of frustrating. But I think the redeeming thing about DeAndre in particular is, um, you know, he's he's super young and he's, you know, big and athletic. He's going to be all right. I don't think um, we need him to be an offensive firepower. I think we need an elite defender who can, um, cha- you know, trade off and, change and guard different positions and I think that's where he's going to be at and that's where he's going to be at very soon and I think um I think he's going to find his footing same with Cam Reddish people also forget that you know Cam came into the season injured you know he had just had that abdominal um muscle surgery so um I'm really not worried at all about Cam and DeAndre I think they're going to find their footing and I think they're going to be in this league for a very long time yeah on the defensive end uh Hunter is is fun to watch because he can basically guard you know, every position on the floor. It's, exactly. it's just hoping to find that confidence on the other end. Yeah, no doubt. I think time and experience will um, help him with that and hopefully a productive offseason, God willing. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, well, Pat, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Uh, enjoy talking with you about the Hawks and, and look forward to hopefully maybe getting some NBA season uh, going again here shortly. Or if not, maybe uh, ESPN will hear my, my hope and dream of a uh, of a game of horse with some NBA guys and we can, uh, we can see some sports on TV again, but if you can remind our listeners where they can uh, follow you and, and find your work. Sure. Well, uh, they can follow me online at Twitter uh, at Pat underscore Benson underscore junior. And I want to say thank y'all so much for having me and thank y'all for continuing this podcast because right now the world needs some normalcy and uh, we need uh, 
something to distract us from all the bad news. And y'all are doing that. And I really appreciate y'all continuing the show and y'all just keep up the great work and uh, we'll be following along as always. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Pat. Uh, We wish you and your family the best as we, uh, as we move through this, you know, sort of unique and trying time. Likewise. All right, guys, y'all have a good one. Go Hawks. (laughs) Yes, sir. All right. So awesome. Having an opportunity to talk with Pat. But uh, let's tra- transition a little bit away from uh, from our Hawks and uh, and switch to the Falcons. We've been talking a lot about the draft and the Falcons as that's uh, quickly approaching. And it looks like it's going to happen, even though you have this coronavirus deal going on. It looks like they're going to sort of do a virtual draft of some sort. And, uh, you know, players may not be there walking across the stage, but, you know, we'll still have that, uh, that opportunity to see who's picking who. But uh, with that first overall – or first round pick I should say in uh, in the 2020 draft Garrett where are you want to see uh, the Falcons going I was not prepared for this segment <laughs> oh, I'm kidding I'm kidding uh no I mentioned it I think last episode a little bit I feel like the Falcons are gonna move away from the D-line with the pickup uh pick up some free agency and I see him taking a linebacker in round one uh, Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma, if he's available. Uh, there's actually an article uh, I sent to the to you guys after our episode last week in the Athletic, just talking about the speed. Uh, he can go sideline to sideline. Uh, put him next to Deion Jones. Uh, just another real young athletic linebacker that we can have to go go get the quarterback, but then also can can cover the tight end and just plug up the hole when needed. Big physical. He's got the speed. Well, I mean, it also helps that we don't have anybody else in that linebacker spot. So it's a desperate need. So, yeah, I would, I would, I would like that as well. But I mean, my pick is kind of the same, filling a desperate need. But it's a cornerback. It's uh, C.J. Henderson of Florida. He's just super fast, and he's supposed to be the best uh, cornerback in in the draft. And with Trufant leaving, that that just opens up a huge gap on the, on that side. So that that's who I would probably prefer at this point. I uh, I guess it does help if I turn my microphone on earlier. I was talking, Garrett. I promise. But uh, but I had a feeling you were going to go with Kenneth Murray after you talked about him last week. So I I did a little research on Kenneth Murray uh, to see uh, see what others talked about him. And you're right, like super fast, can get after the quarterback, uh, can cover ground, uh, can cover tight ends, uh, sort of can do it all as a linebacker, except one major thing that I think all linebackers need to do, and that's tackle people. Dude had 50 missed tackles in his time at Oklahoma. And I don't know about you, but I've seen that movie with the Falcons before of us having guys that can't tackle. And I don't know if I want any part of that. To be fair, I think I've watched more Oklahoma than anybody here. And I'll admit, he was basically a one-man show on defense. So if he wasn't tackling somebody they weren't getting tackled so i think some of that's more of a volume uh sort of deal that basically he was the first guy that was going to step up and try to tackle a ball carrier so if you also look at his stats per game his tackles per game they were off the charts so is it simply a product that he made so many had to make so many plays that he's just a percentage wise is gonna miss some that's correct my math isn't good, but I'll give that to you. My pick, where I'd like to see them go, and I think if they made this pick, it would be because they had to trade way up to get them, 
But it also depends, I think, on how this deal works out with quarterbacks and who takes who in the beginning. But I'd love to see Isaiah Simmons from Clemson because, oh my gosh, what was that? A sheesh? It's just impossible. <laughs> yeah, who? These Jeremy and I went realistic. You just pulled like a, a, you just turned fair trades off on Madden and uh, <laughs> made a ridiculous deal to move. Well, he's not going top, top three. Right, top, so he's not. Top you're not 10, sh- probably right. We yeah, already he's pr- going. He's going top ten. So trade up and go get. Can't him. give up picks. What are we giving up? We already we traded second round picks. picks. Do whatever you got to do to bring that dude in, because he basically plays every position on defense. He lined up for Clemson at D line last year at linebacker. He even lined up at cornerback and safety last year. So yeah, but you're, you're not going to be doing that in the NFL. I mean, I, I agree he's a good player, but he's going to have to pick a position. And that's what he's going to play in the NFL. He's not going to play four or five different positions in a game. And he's going to go four or five, not 16. Trade up and get him. This is a hope, right? I can hope. I won't chase Young, man. I'll change my pick (laughs) to chase Young. But I wouldn't be disappointed with Kenneth Murray. I'd be okay with that. But I'm going to have a hope and a dream that the Falcons are going to do something awesome and bring in Isaiah Simmons. How many times have Dimitrov and Dan Quinn made a move in the draft or free agency and you just sat back and said wow I'm blown away by that that was awesome the only time it happened was when they picked up Julio Jones what so that might be that? the only one yeah, that was before <laughs> that was before Dan Quinn yeah that was it so I, I can't I can't reference another one other than that I mean Calvin Ridley I mean he was I was excited for that because you know I watched a lot of Alabama yeah, the Calvin Ridley pick wasn't wasn't bad that was definitely that was a good one too. I'll give him that. We, we didn't move to make, to pick him up though, did we? I don't think we traded. We just picked him up at our spot. Yeah, you actually might. And you know what? I'm not going to say I was happy about that because I remember that pick and thinking, "What the heck? We have Julio Jones. Why are we already picking up Calvin Ridley this high in the draft?" So I take back my previous statement. We needed a big defensive lineman then, and we're still needing one now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, but my hope is they make a splash on. Like I said, I'd be fine with with Kenneth Murray. I can dream with Isaiah Simmons. I knew that we weren't going to most likely get Isaiah Simmons, but I also knew it might spark some discussion between you two. But my realistic pick after that first round pick of whoever we get is in the second round. I want Raquan Davis from Alabama so bad after watching that guy play. He is an absolute monster. So that's my hope on that second round pick afterwards. We move on to, uh, to that defensive line and put somebody next to Grady, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, with those guys did y'all have any hopes on second round pick yeah I mean that's that's who I wanted in second round as well I, I think he's too good a fit for our team to what we need and you know he's just he's just a monster in the middle I mean his sack numbers went down the last two years but his kind of ability to fill the hole and stuff the run is, is something our defense really needs beside Grady wouldn't that be awesome to actually have a defensive line where they don't just gash you right up the middle yeah. Like, we haven't seen that in a long time. I mean, poor, poor Grady's doing everything he can in the middle, but he's one man. And yeah, it's, the, it's not on Grady. It's definitely on the, the, the cast of characters they try to throw around him. This is a little off topic, but speaking of the defensive line, do we need to touch on the ESPN article that talks about Vic Beasley being a great free agent signing for the Titans? Oh, yes. Please do. Please talk about Anytime we talk about Vic Beasley, I'm in. Do we, let me give me a second to pull this article up. It, it was considered a best value signing. 
And he was throwing out stats and basically saying that the past couple years, Vic Beasley played better than uh, than what just the traditional stats were, were showing about him. Some of the advanced metrics that the yeah. the times pressured were, you know, top five in the league, putting pressure on the quarterback. Or uh, let me play, here we go. I love His, when guys at ESPN <laughs> write an article about players they never watch because if he was getting close to the quarterback, it was he was laying. Do they count when he's laying on the ground? They pushed the you know the offensive lineman's pushed him to the ground. He's rolling that way. Does that count as being close to the quarterback? Right. So he 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 references. Beasley's pass pass rush win rate, which is an ESPN stats and information metric, <laughs> rank, ranked 15th among qualified edge rushers last season. Which everybody doesn't even talk about what it is. <laughs> and he's saying a year ago he ranked fifth in the same category, which is when he only had five sacks that season when he ranked fifth. So I don't yeah, know what the metric is, but I'm going to say it does me no good. Yeah, I don't think anybody needs that metric. <laughs> it's just I think we all watched enough Beasley and the thing that kind of annoyed me was I know y'all aren't as big on the girly signing as I am since it's such a limited you know financial influence in them I mean it's one year there it five, is there it is Jeremy one, got his one year five million dollars one there year five million dollars so, <laughs> I mean if you're gonna say that Beasley is is a value I would argue even more for Todd Gurley in that case because you know if it doesn't work out, we've invested one year, $5 million into them. I'm guessing we're going to see another running back in the second or third round that we're going to bring in behind and be kind of the running back of the future. And so to me, it's a no, no lose situation. Yeah. The Tennessee Titans, they might be a little excited because they might look at that idea that man, he, he was, he led the NFL in sacks a year, you know, a few years ago, but I, 2016. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how it happened because looking at how he played since then, he was atrocious. I mean, well, they even put that in the article. It says, you know, he had eight sacks last season and five in each of the previous two after recording 15 and a half in 2016. Almost like it's kind of a, a, a positive, I guess, the way they put it. And basically, they said it was the Falcons' secondary was the reason that Beasley didn't have more sacks. I remember reading that. Yep. His big year, he did have another, you know, he had another edge rusher on the other side. That was, that was the Freeney year, wasn't it? The, it was. Yeah, Dwight, was Dwight Freeney is credited with really helping helping Vic that year, and somebody that actually talked about trying to bring back to coach him. Yeah. Right, and that was also a year I forget the stat, but it was something stupid too that he was getting a sack on like eighty eight percent of his. You know, when he got close to every time he got to where he could touch the quarterback, basically he was sacking him, which was just an off the chart percentage. For well, we were, in a, we were ahead in so many games as well that it, you know, it created a lot of pass for us opportunities where he didn't have to worry about the run, which candidly he's pretty, you know, weak, weak against. Yeah. The, the, the little bit that I know about the Titans, they're not blowing people out or, or going heavy on the pass. They're kind of a running grinding out sort of team playing low score games so he's Vic's probably gonna get run at a lot so good luck to it, you absolutely it it's <laughs> to any titans fans listening you're gonna be upset rather often when you're watching those games so well let's Just, uh yeah call in let us know what you think uh yeah. our phone number is six seven eight uh, no we're not doing that again <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. So we're not giving out my phone number again. So, so yes, uh, we want to, we're hoping for some big changes for the Falcons, mostly coming through the draft. Obviously, that they've done some pretty awesome stuff, I think, through free agency. Uh, I've, I've been shocked where they've come up with this money, but I'm like Jeremy now. I'm talking salary cap now. But uh, let's transition away from the Falcons down to our uh, to our Braves. And I know Garrett was checking out the AJC, the AJC article about uh, the MLB and the players' union getting together on that deal and sort of the impact that's going to have on the Braves moving forward. So, Garrett, what'd you find? Yeah, Tim Tucker today had a great article in AJC uh, talking about how the agreement how it affects the Braves and the Braves players. Uh, so it was last week, uh, the MLBPA uh, and the MLB uh, agreed for this season. Basically, they agreed to – the players agreed that they could extend the season as long as needed, you know, past the traditional October into November, December, I guess. Uh, they'll, they'd play in empty ballparks if needed. They'd play in neutral stadiums and warmer cities, you know, later in the season. They do double headers, you know, roster changes to accompany uh, some day night double headers, you know, maybe even weekly. So that, I mean, that much excites me. I, I think MLB understands that this is such an unprecedented time. So this season's just going to be different and it's going to have to adapt and change and they're going to do the best they can. So, Tim Tucker was really breaking down uh, financially how it's affecting the Braves and all the players. Essentially, it's the players are going to get a prorated salary for however many games they play. If they only play 81 games, they'll get 50% of what their salary should have been for the season, which for the for the veteran players, okay, I'll say overall, even the young players, even the Mike Soroka, he's going to get, you know, 250 grand instead of 500 grand, which is still better than the majority of the country. So I don't think any of them get to complain, but. You know, it could be a big financial hit for several of the guys. But beyond that, some of the they they put some provisions in uh, for players to get paid over the next couple months, kind of a, a a small portion just to get some cash flow. But it was interesting. Some of the non-roster invitee players aren't covered in this deal, which for the Braves that includes uh, my boy King Felix, um, but then also Charlie Colberson. So we got a couple players on the team that just. They're they're hoping for the season to start, but until then, you know they don't get any money and they don't really know what's going to happen to their to the contracts. And then beyond the money, they agree that this season, if it's played, no matter how many games are played, that it counts as a year of service for the players. Uh, So we could have a Zuno for you know two months, and then that's it. That's his one year of his contract with the Braves and then he goes on to free agency, you know, next off season. So, uh, it was really interesting, but I think the MLB is being kind of progressive and trying to get out in front of this to, to just adapt and adjust and, and, and try to figure out the best way to still have a baseball season. So I don't know what, what y'all think about it. Really? It's sort of, sort of shocking that Major League Baseball is taking that approach because they're not usually the ones thinking progressive and, and getting out ahead of stuff. They're usually slow to move, slow to change. And as much as I'd like to say, you know, that stinks, you know, Marcelo Zuna for only for only two months instead of his full year, 
stinks, but reality is it's it is the right thing to do. So I gotta I gotta give it to Major League Baseball. I think it's pretty awesome what uh, what they're doing for the players. Like I said, I just think it's the right thing to do. I, I saw I saw on uh, Twitter as well that they basically had like a adopt a minor league player kind of thing because a lot of the minor league guys aren't getting paid either, and and those guys really don't get paid much to uh, to play the game of baseball. So a lot of those uh, folks in those small towns and cities that support those teams are uh, are adopting a minor league uh, a minor league player and sort of just sending him some money or you know help helping him out through this time. So that's sort of pretty awesome to see. Uh, you know, the country and communities coming together around things like that. Right. Yeah. Tim Tucker didn't dive into it, but another article, it was detailing out the minor league and it, yeah, depending on what, what their pay rate is for the minor leagues, guys could be getting 250 bucks a month. You know, I think it was between 250 up to a thousand is all they get in the minor leagues. Yeah. It's not, uh, not a real glamorous, uh, glamorous gig for sure. It's uh just grinding and hoping that you can get better to make it to that next step. But just overall for the the baseball season, you're right. I mean, it kind of got me excited to see. I mean, we we don't know what's going to happen right now. I mean, hopefully there's a season eventually, but it's kind of got me excited to see what the outcome will be. You know, if there's some more de- double headers that gives us some af- more afternoon baseball. If there's, you know, you get to see Cleveland and the Yankees playing in Atlanta, maybe you know, in a warmer weather down in Florida. I mean, I think it'll be interesting and exciting. And maybe some of these things too, they implement now will be things that, that last and stay that, you know, we can get excited about moving forward, like just a shortened season in general. Like, you know, they talked about maybe just a hundred games to me, any more than that is already too much. So I think that'd be awesome to see them sort of cut down on some of that moving forward, but it'll be interesting to see if any of this, any of this stuff stays or sticks, or if it's just the temporary patch to get them through, you know, past this issue. Right. What, how do y'all think the Braves would stand up? Cause I, I think part of the deal is with, with double headers and just a more condensed schedule. They're talking about expanding the rosters, which I, I don't know in detail, the other teams, but I know the Braves are on the tops of, you know, minor league farm systems. And we know all the young talent they have, I'm excited if they expand the rosters, the active roster, to get some of the more of those young guys up. Maybe get Camargo and Riley on the team. How do you think the Braves that would benefit the Braves? We just get more chance. Like you said, we have one of the top farm systems, so you're just getting a chance to kind of bring in some of those young pitchers and young hitters, and you know, give them a chance at the major leagues earlier than you would necessarily. And if we had a smaller roster, so you know, I, I think we'd be one of the main beneficiaries of it. I'd like to see it, but I also wonder how that impacts arbitration. You know, they're they're always going to wait those. <laughs> I know I got to be the logical one here, but like the Braves have always been smart about making sure they lock down that extra year, and they're not going to bring somebody up too early, regardless of how it impacts the season. So, as much as I'd like to see some of these young guys come up and play, I'm interested to see what rules go with arbitration there, like. Are they going to lose that? And then the Braves are losing that extra year because as fans, I mean, Jeremy, you love talking salary. As fans, we don't want to have to start paying more or see guys leave a year early. I mean, with the Acuna deal and whatever the Braves are paying his agent for making that deal, I don't think we're going to have to worry as much about finances. I mean, what are we paying him? $10, $11 million a year for like 10 years? Yeah, it was a steal for sure. And Ozzy was a steal too. Yeah, oh yeah, his his deal was worse. It was even better. I love how Garrett refers to it as even better and Jeremy <laughs> refers to it as worse. 
I mean, better for me. It's yes, better for the birdies. Yeah. For that guy. Depending on the perspective, for sure. All right, guys. Well, uh, you know, we've got a lot, uh, shockingly, with with this, uh, you know, coronavirus pandemic going on. You think we wouldn't have any sports to talk about, but uh, but we've had quite a bit for sure. We haven't even had to dive into the the WWE or WWF, whatever it's called. So I think oh, that's it. WrestleMania. Oh. <laughs> I'd say that's a major win not to have to talk about that. So, but uh, but awesome guys, great job as always. And again, shout out to Pat for joining us uh, on tonight's episode. And I uh, hope y'all will tune in again next week. And that's it for episode 12 of the Atlanta Sports Podcast. Again, a huge thank you to Pat Benson, who covers the Hawks for Forbes and SportstalkATL.com. You can check out his work by following him on Twitter at Pat underscore Benson underscore Junior. And of course, if you don't already, check, our, check us out on Twitter as well. You can find us at ATL Sport Podcast. And of course, if you don't subscribe, please be sure to check us out on your favorite podcasting platform. As always, thank you for listening and have a great week, Atlanta.